Hi, I'm Mike Phil. Yeah, I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. I swear I talk more in the episodes. Attention culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there, I'm Colleen. And I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories. So of course, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So each episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. Yes, and this week we are hijacking the nearest hover train to discuss (laughs) the second episode of the new Disney Plus series, The Book of Boba Fett. This is titled Chapter 2, Tribes of Tatooine. The episode is written by Jon Favreau and directed by Steph Green. Uh, Steph Green's a pretty prolific TV director. Mm-hmm. I think she did a great job with this episode. She's also directed some episodes of some really notable series in the last several years. Uh, she had an episode of Luke Cage for Netflix. She mm-hmm. had an episode of Bates Motel, The okay. Americans, The Man okay. in the High Castle for Amazon, <laughs> Preacher, The Deuce, and Watchmen for HBO. That's uh, like and, high cred. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think she also did an episode of the rebooted uh, The L Word. I also saw Noah Clore is also credited as a staff writer on this episode. I don't know. I don't know what the full writing process is uh, for Book of Boba Fett, but make sure everyone needs to get credit where it's due. Mm -hmm. All right, Colleen, are you ready to take a very spiritual journey to a sacred site after snorting a lizard? Hell yes. Peyote gecko for the win. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then let's punch it and get right into it with this episode recap. Heck yes. All right, so I love Fennec. Let's just get that out of the way. (laughs) Fennec is leading the captured assassin back to the palace. He's refusing to talk, however, even when Boba threatens to remove his head. So Fennec puts him in the Rancor pit. Great move. He quickly spills that the mayor hired him. Before they reveal the Rancor is dead and gone, sob, I'm very sorry, Daniel, for bringing this up again. (laughs) All the animals, damn it. Boba decides to return the man to the mayor. Going through most Aspa, the group turns a few heads. And Those Trandoshans his... were definitely looking at them like, you're still here. Mm-hmm. Big <laughs> side eye from the Trandoshans. <laughs> after a really hysterical encounter with the mayor's receptionist, I died. I died so hard. He's like, mm. he's like the major demo at a restaurant. Like, you don't have a reservation. You should have made a reservation at least a year ahead. Like, yes. <laughs> it kind of burst into the mayor's office, we guess. Like, it's right off of the reception area, which is weird, but that's fine. He also Could doesn't a have a desk. Room. Yeah, no desk. He's just, like, sitting on his little throne in his little reception hall. The mayor promptly has the assassin killed, like, real fast, as the Order of the Night Wind isn't allowed to operate outside of Hut's space. Questions on that later. 
the mayor pays Boba for the bounty, which is hilarious. Boba's like, I'm not a bounty hunter. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. actually, still takes are. the money though. <laughs> oh yeah, Fennec's like, this is fine. He also offers Boba some advice though that running a family is more complicated than bounty hunting, and that if he goes to sanctuary, he'll see what he means. Mm. At sanctuary, Garza Flip looking fucking amazing in that dress. I mm, all the stops pulled out for Garza Flip. <laughs> She tells Boba that Jabba's cousins, the twins, have laid a claim to Jabba's old territory. Cue the litter and the drums, like freaking big pomp and circumstance outside. Absolutely. And the twins have arrived, accompanied by Black Curse Sentin. Whoo! A Wookiee gladiator. <laughs> Looking good. <laughs> the two parties each state their claim to Tatooine and the associated territory, then part ways like no violence occurred, which is pretty good for both. <laughs> and Fennec. Fennec suggests taking the two huts out, but they will need permission to kill them. Very ominous. Very, very mm-hmm. ominous. Mm-hmm. So that night, Boba goes back to the Baxter tank, and we shift into flashback. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has another dream about his past. He's trading with the Gaffy staff, and it's not going fantastic, but he's picking some things up. He's doing all right. Uh, and then there's this big sound in the distance. Definitely thought it was a crate dragon at first. So did I. <laughs> and startles Even like all how it of the was Tuscans. Along the dunes, yeah. it, I was like, oh, is this another crate dragon? Flo's going to love this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's actually a speeding train that starts to fire on the Tuscans and manages to kill several tribe members and a couple of Banthas, unfortunately. Mm. Poor Banthas. Leave the Banthas alone. <laughs> So that night, uh, they're stacking and burning the bodies. Boba notices the biker gang that he saw last episode um, kind of off in the distance. And he sets out to Tashi Station, where he takes pretty much the entire gang out and steals their speeder bikes. Awesome fight scene. Awesome bar fight. So good. So good. He just, like, walks in, freaking beats the crap out of them, and then just, just bounces. Like, I did see. Out. It's actually, it is supposedly uh the scene is staged and modeled after the bar fight at the start of terminator 2 uh <laughs> he steals the bikers we steals the clothes <laughs> oh man so we have in next part of the flashback boba teaches the tuscans to ride the speeder <laughs> as means of stopping the train i could not this entire sequence is amazing <laughs> A hilarious montage ensues where they learn to ride and to use the speeders as weapons. The next time the train goes by, Boba and his raiders manage to board and make their way up the train, which is very like Snowpiercer kind of any sort of train taking scene, basically. They take out several pikes along the way. I was very surprised to see that this was a pike train. His warrior trainer makes her way through her, very important, through the train, and they manage to stop the speeding train, which the droid pilot managed to sabotage before piecing the fuck out he just <laughs> i loved that so much failed. he was hysterical he was just like nope and jumps out mm-hmm. the window i don't get paid enough for this shit no. i don't get paid at all you guys are getting paid <laughs> <laughs> so afterwards boba is lording over these captured pikes uh and calls them out for running spice through tuscan territory mm ultimately spares their lives, declaring that if they want to come through, they'll have to pay a toll. And they're just kind of sitting there like, yo, we thought y'all were savages, so sorry for shooting you, but we thought you were going to try and kill us no matter what. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Which ulti- kind of fair. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they might have. <laughs> but you're, you're, driving, you're driving through their land, man. Come on. Right. If we don't get no tolls, then we don't get no rolls. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> 
we don't get no tolls and we don't My get no black melon. Even though I'm very big. <laughs> Sorry, off track. <laughs> yes. Anyways, that evening, the Tuscan chief is giving Boba some Tatooine and Tuscan history, talking about all the different tribes, how they kind of act very differently from each other. Mm-hmm. Ominous, maybe for the future. Very ominous. Uniting them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then offers Boba a gift, a lizard that promptly jumps on Boba's face and crawls up his nose to quote unquote guide him. Seems fine. Yes. In this very delirious state, Boba travels to a random tree in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. uh, where he has visions back of being back in the Sarlacc pit. He flashes back to Camino again, finding his father's helmet. Uh, mm-hmm. We find out that this isn't just a total straight up drug induced fever dream. There was actually a tree because when he comes back the next morning, he has a branch from it and he is kind of ceremoniously robed by the tribe in their more black color garbs, um, finally out of his like spaceman underwear and he (laughs) is guided (laughs) and he is guided through the forging of his own gaffy stick with the branch. He presents it to the chief who approves and they engage in a dance around the campfire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> End yep. of episode. He goes full dances with wolves, everyone. Absolutely. <laughs> He's gone native as the like fairly derogatory term goes. But I'm here for it. Boba needs this kind of family because he was used to having his like surrounded by his dad. And every single damn clone, like I'm sure he's just used <laughs> to having so many people around him. And he's just not meant to be a loner. Like people probably think of his character as a loner, but I don't think he's meant to be that way, which would make sense that he's trying to gain power and like make Fennec part of his family. And he's maybe going about it in a weird way, but I think he kind of craves that like need to be around people. Even in the Clone Wars animated series, he was always with a group of bounty hunters, never by himself. Right. Unless he was trying to kill Mace, which fine. <laughs> Unless he was also just competing with a bounty hunter, you know, yes. in the future. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Ooh, all right. Well, Colleen, you want to get into our reactions for this episode? Heck yes. I really enjoyed it. I, I liked it a lot more than the first episode, even though I liked the first episode. This one I thought was a huge step forward. I love Fennec. She's the queen of misdirection. Like, well, I guess the rancor can have you then. Like, yes. And she gets a kick out of it. She's like, "Mm." oh, she's loving it. She's the perfect partner for Boba, who seems to be like a much more idealistic person than fans might have realized or wanted, depending on the fans. (laughs) There's been some quote unquote dude bro behavior on social media about Boba and his behavior. And I'm like, we didn't know anything about Boba. So let's just settle down and watch the show I also love delving into the Tuscan culture especially because Boba learns so much from him like he is a sponge he is taking every bit of history fight choreography that that they can give him I love that and then there was some pushback I noticed online about this being like another white savior or culturally advanced savior narrative Mm-hmm. Which I can see why people might think that, but the balance between Boba and the Tuscans is very like even. They both need each other to survive this encounter. Like Boba has the technical knowledge, but he'd be dead in the desert without the Tuscans. It's not like he saved them per se. It's like he was just another person of the tribe 
Like they're bringing yeah. another person in and he may have like innovative ideas for them, but they've survived millennia without him and they would still survive. This is just kind of like a moving forward kind of piece. Yeah. I mean, in this episode, yeah, he, he teaches them to ride the speeders, but they didn't need to ride the speeders. Like they didn't have mm-hmm. to take the train. No, they didn't. They could have ignored it. This mm-hmm. is just a new step forward for their culture, which every culture deals with whether they're advanced or not advanced you become advanced for a reason like there's usually a catalyst that makes you that way and Boba's just trying to help them out he's like this is my fam now so I can't let them be killed by these people when I can help take them out which I love Boba's like yeah we're taking out that train (laughs) (laughs) gonna take it out I'm obsessed with Black Kersenton I love him he can do no wrong I did some research on him because he's in the comics and is finally in live action. And he has fought Obi-Wan. He has fought Force. He has fought Chewbacca and Han. Like this is a character that has a lot of legs to him in the literature world. So I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with him for the show. And then shout out to Joanna Bennett. She plays the badass Tuscan warrior. A lady like hell yes. She's robed in black. She's the most able fighter in the tribe. Like, I, I love I love this so much. She's known for her stunt work, mostly like on Aquaman and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And it was just really exciting to see like the Tuscans don't care what gender you are. No, I think they are actually relatively matriarchal. There are a lot of Tuscan mm-hmm. tribes that are matriarchal. And I, mm-hmm. that, again, I think that's a detail that I found in the, uh, the Legends Kenobi novel mm-hmm. with his dealings with them. Which would make sense. I mean, they're a more natural culture and nature usually has more feminine connotations mm-hmm. and has more of a mother mother birth based culture so it makes sense i just love that she's kicking Bo's ass <laughs> oh yeah like, yes get it girl we love you how about you anders what did you think uh, very much in line with you this episode was great i personally i'm really intrigued about the character of the mayor I really, really liked him. I liked kind of the way he was just very slow, very deliberate in everything he was saying. He obviously mm-hmm. got to where he is for a reason. And mm-hmm. I really curious how much more we're going to see of him in the future. Um, I, I love the fact that he was a practical effect. I was, yes. a little, I was a little disappointed that the huts were CGI, mm-hmm. but I can understand just the practicality of doing that might have been in the most in the moment, the amount of people you need to operate those puppets right, uh, right now might just not they have... They still looked pretty good. They looked pretty good, yeah. I thought they looked good. Mm-hmm. The action sequences in this episode were phenomenal and just really, mm-hmm. really classic, classic adventure sequences. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've said before, Star Wars is very tropey because it is. <laughs> and this episode was absolutely chock full of tropes mm-hmm. from adventure, sci-fi stories. And I loved pretty much all of them won't lie mm-hmm. i could have done without the dance at the end but that's just me <laughs> see i loved that but i liked exactly. it more when i was like oh this is tomorrow morrison's maori cultural influence coming out it just yeah. shows like how much of a good time he's having on this show <laughs> and how much input he's probably having which is really nice to see definitely love that and i love you know you kind of referenced earlier the balance between him and the tuscans i thought it was really really cool that in such a technical technology advanced world Mm -hmm. what the tuscans are doing are very very simple things right the signal isn't the uh like 
the little flashlight thing that Padme had on Naboo and Phantom Menace, it, right. it's a mirror. It's that's all it takes is a little mm-hmm. is a little mirror and a little sunlight. Um, none of the Tuscans have blasters on the train. Obviously, the snipers in the, in the distance they do have their rifles, mm-hmm. um, but they're using their gaffy stacks in this close combat. And in order to stop the train, Boba uses his gaffy stick. He doesn't hack anything or whatever. He mm-hmm. uses the oldest machine there is, a lever. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to to make it work, and I just love that kind of balance. Mm-hmm. A meshing between the two cultures. Yay! Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think we are going to move into our next segment, the homages, Easter eggs, connections, and callbacks. And just like last week, there are a ton. Just a few. (laughs) Scattered here and there. (laughs) All right. Starting off with the title, Tribes of Tatooine. Now, if we're kind of going with my theory from last week, these are all kind of biblical references. Could be a reference maybe to the tribes of Israel. It's also probably has a meaning within the the context of the episode, the Tusk. The Tuscans that we see are one tribe of Tatooine, while the outsiders are the other. Boba has a foot in both these worlds. Also, the Tuscan chief is talking about the many tribes of the mm-hmm. within the Tuscans, even of themselves. So maybe we're getting a reference that we're going to see that world open up a little bit more. Themes. <laughs> <laughs> we love themes. Next, we have that palace door opening, which is very similar to a shot of the droids and to Luke in Return of the Jedi. Really cool. I love a nice, like, door opening sequence <laughs> so it always looks very majestic it does mm-hmm. uh next <laughs> not yeah. really sure not really sure what this means officially i mean we can mm-hmm. take a guess uh we have the assassin spits back at java uh which is very rude Mm-hmm. especially according to C-3PO back in Empire Strikes Back the, a protocol droid says it to C-3PO when he bumps into him in the hallway yeah. right before 3PO gets blasted to pieces yeah mm, I'm guessing it's some sort of it's, it's gotta be an insult. yeah it it's sounds like Hutties right it's I'm, yeah it is Hutties I think next we have the Rancor pit complete with rats and the Gamorreans jumping back all a Jedi callback the platform was the new throne on it, along with the trapdoor button itself, also has a Rancor head motif. I love that so much. <laughs> no Patisa, though. Mm, apparently, Bib Fortuna did get rid of his corpse. Yeah. His I mean, the way, the, way, the way Bib was looking, maybe he ate him, honestly. Oh, Lord. Yes, poor cheeseburger Bib. Mm. <laughs> All right, next. Absolutely hysterical here. The annoyed receptionist at mm-hmm. the mayor's office so funny do you have an appointment i'm afraid mm. he's booked for the day mm-hmm. um personally it reminded me it always calls back to uh, the wizard of oz and the doorman who says the wizard isn't in today mm-hmm. the wizard is um, never in let's just yeah. say <laughs> he he just has no time for people without appointments like they, we have procedures they're here for a reason mm-hmm. all you have to do is follow them and we'll be yeah. okay you just had to send a, like a hollow call and we would have <laughs> maybe gotten you in Mm-hmm. Or the mayor might have canceled your appointment. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the mayor, he is an Ithorian and voiced by Robert Rodriguez. Great. Ithorians are native to the planet Ethor. And while you might think those openings on its neck are gills, they're actually two separate mouths, which is why they need like the little apparatus to speak basic. Despite nicknames like hammerheads, they aren't an aquatic species, mostly living in jungles or forests. They are mostly a pacifist species as well which given the mayor's calm demeanor, we're interested to see how much he ascribes to that. 
<laughs> he was very calm, and it seemed like he was not about to get up and like no. throw hands. No, he doesn't get up. No, <laughs> but Mary I mean, get up for anyone. <laughs> I mean, his major domo is very passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. So, can you be like a pacifist aggressivist? Heck yes, I love <laughs> as, as a philosophy. <laughs> his yeah, his assistant is like the most aggressive person probably on their staff. <laughs> You're like you went a little far. <laughs> Let's pull it back. <laughs> a little bit just a touch and then finally after even though we're only in the second episode i feel like we've had like 20 references to the litter yeah, <laughs> and we finally litter? see we finally see one the twins make their grand entrance huddling very very closely with each other considering they are supposedly siblings mm-hmm. <laughs> the huts are being held up by several beings uh, i saw humans twi'leks maybe a couple of even weak ways Give me Hondo, for the love of God. <laughs> Just throw him in here. I would be so happy if Hondo showed I would, too. Don't make it... Do, now, don't get me wrong. Don't make him a slave to the huts. But, yeah. you know, I would love him to just come through Moss Espo trying to make some trades. On his, mm-hmm. Maybe he's on his way back to Batu. I don't know. Yes. I would love um, that. My personal question for this though is i know tatooine is not the most technologically advanced mm-hmm. planet but they do have hover sleds why do we actually need slaves to lift these things and why they're are just, that? they're flexing they're just flexing <laughs> <laughs> like we we have technology but we don't want it we want actual slave labor like mm, that makes sense the huts here we go hut space and nalhata the twins we believe are the first live action huts with tattoos live action huts Huts are crime lords that control a decent amount of the Outer Rim territories. Their homeworld is Nalhutta, and they have been a staple in the series since Jabba's first mention, later re-edited appearance in A New Hope. The Huts are traditionally ruled by the Hut Council, but Vader took out a decent amount of them, which we think is how Jabba consolidated his own power, and they have been building their strength back Maul and his crew also took out a lot of them back yeah. in the Clone Wars, which is why Boba thought they wouldn't be his problem. Hmm. Apparently, some of them got away. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, the character pretty much everyone is talking about. We have Black Kersantan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a comics character played here by Carrie Jones, who's a very prolific kind of special effects makeup artist. He is a Wookiee that had to flee Kashyyyk in disgrace before seeking out the Zanti brothers to learn how to be a gladiator um, in seeking them out and learning that he killed a lot of people, like a lot, a lot of people. That's probably why I think he's hot. (laughs) (laughs) That's just my thing, I guess, everyone. It's fine. Um, he would eventually, he learned to be a gladiator, and then he would eventually become a bounty hunter in the employ of both Jabba the Hutt and Darth Vader. So, he, And he has worked with Boba before. Mm-hmm. So they have some history, although the reference that Boba makes to the death pits of Durr and sleeping Trandoshan Guard are not in the comics as of yet. So maybe that's a reference to a forthcoming issue. Could be. Could mm-hmm. be. Oh, Trandoshans. Everyone <laughs> hates you. <It's> like... <laughs> Permission to kill the twins. Mm, this is very like Godfather Sopranos kind of situation here. Like, why do they have to ask permission for this? And who do they have to get it from? Mm-hmm. Very interested to see the inner dynamics of how these syndicates and the huts <laughs> work in particular. <laughs> All right. And then when we flash back into the past, we start off with this very kind of classic training sequence. You're learning the ways of the native people. Boba is very adept 
in his career at hand-to-hand combat, but the staff, the gaffy stick, and the way that the huts use it in the desert with their footing is very new to him. So mm-hmm. he is failing and failing, but getting better as he goes. It's a very, very traditional scene that you see in a lot of stories like this. Yes. When you have to basically go with the flow of mm-hmm. the people who rescued you. Next, we have the wart. <laughs> Return of the Jedi was its original appearance outside of Jabba's palace, but we get another one here. <laughs> we do love a creature. It's a lot bigger than I thought it was. I keep thinking it's like yeah. this little frog, but it's actually like one and a half meters or something like that. Yeah, they're big. Me too, because when they do that shot, it doesn't look like it should be big. In your own, but... Yeah, well, just like Jabba's palace is apparently ginormous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't think it should be that big. <laughs> All right, next up. So we have this scene at night. They are stacking and burning the bodies of the fallen Tuscans. I thought this was actually really similar to how C-3PO and uh, Ben Kenobi do this with the Jawas in A New Mm -hmm. Hope. Is this like a Tatooine thing to kind of stack them together? The Jedi um, cremated their bodies until apparently every time they died, they became one with the Force. (sighs) Rise of Skywalker, freaking Wayfinders. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... I mean, they can't probably bury them in the sand. Yeah. So that would be the only reason I would think that they are burning. Uh, if you did that, it probably yeah. would attract a lot of those like sand beasts too, if you bury them in sand. Yeah, yeah that's true. It's the only thing I can really think of for the burning of the corpses. Next, we have the return of the swoop gang at Tashi Station <laughs> with <laughs> Fixer and Cammy from A New Hope deleted scene. The main bit there is Luke sees the opening battle in the sky and they don't believe him. Plus, Biggs tells Luke he's joining the rebellion. Oh, fuck. Sorry, Biggs. That's the part of the scene I really wish that they had kept in. It's the, it's the Biggs part. Establishing his relationship with Biggs. Mm-hmm. I do like that scene a lot. There's a lot of talk around the show, as well as the Mandalorian, and to an extent, the Bad Batch as well, about fan service, which we're, we don't really like that term very much, but it is what it is. What that is to each person and how much you like it is really on you, We'll say that we think the show is doing an extremely good job at this. Like there are so many Easter eggs here that we have thrown in there, callbacks and homages. But Star Wars really is about homages to other people's work. So I don't feel like lost or bad if there's an in joke like Black Kirsten. Like I had no idea. I had to look him up immediately. (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) he has a very cool life in the comics. And it's just nice to bring these characters out, I think, for people who don't necessarily read anything for Star Wars. Um, like, if you don't know, this is Tashi Station, which I I kind of was like, this looks really familiar, but I haven't watched the New Hope deleted scenes in quite some time. And who those characters are, this is awesome. If you spotted it, like, that's fine. If you didn't, it's still a good scene. Boba's still yeah. kicking ass and taking names in the bar. It's fine. Everyone knows enough to put these things in without like ham fisting them. It's just like an Easter egg. That's what it's for. It's like hidden in there and has enough sense to resist things that are gratuitous. Like, I think you have one. Yeah. <laughs> so what, so during this, so during this scene, I was really expecting and I, I was actually really, really thankful that mm. this didn't happen and it shows that Favreau puts a lot of care in when Boba, he takes that drink at the end and slams it down like if this was just gratuitous fan service, there would have been an extra shot of him like picking up the wallet or the purse from one of the guys he knocked out, tossing it out of the bar and saying, sorry about the mess. 
Yeah. As like a callback to Han in A New Hope. Yeah. But they didn't put that in there. And I was like, it, it just shows that they are taking a lot of care with how they craft these callbacks. Right. Exactly. I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was great. I loved it. And yeah, I did not realize it was Tashi Station until after the fact when I was kind of going back and rewatching. And the mm-hmm. fact that they like fixed in on those characters' faces so much, I was like, all right, these have to be people. <laughs> yes. Well, and this is like interesting because the Swoop Gang, I don't think, is a part of the Pike train thing. So there's a lot no. of different factions operating on Tatooine, mm-hmm. which is interesting also. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, speaking of the swoop gang, so most of them seem to be uh, Nikto, which is a species from the planet Kintan. Uh, they have been known to be hires as enforcers, and several of them were actually employed by Jabba the Hutt at the mm-hmm. end of his reign. So, mm-hmm. uh, this part was my favorite part of the entire episode the amazing teacher kids to drive sequence. Funny, very charming, a couple of visual callbacks, like when the Ewok accidentally takes off in her trip. Jedi like the trope of accidentally going backwards fantastic I'm here for it Bobo like revving the I mean like (laughs) all right so Bobo revving the edges this is the one that this is what popped into my head immediately Mm -hmm. (laughs) when he does that whole like like a bantha and he's hopping up and down um so there's on the return of the king extended edition dvd special features (laughs) which Lord of the Rings special features were some of like the absolute so greatest special features ever. So There's one, uh, David Wenham plays Faramir is talking about the barrel that they had to ride um, to get close-ups yeah. when they're all supposed to be on horseback. And the mm-hmm. advice that the, that the uh, directors and everybody told him was pretend like you're having sex on the barrel and that's how you ride a horse. <laughs> <laughs> and it just immediately, I was, I flashed back to seeing that. Tamara, just imagine that you're having sex on a horse while you're doing this. He's like, I've already done that. And they're like, good. <laughs> just pretend then. You're going to be God. <laughs> that, that, right. that sequence was amazing. I yeah. Next up oh. is one that I'm not sure what it's necessarily um, a call back, a shout out to, but the gang seems to have some kind of like spider looking droid on its spikes as the kind of insignia. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm not really sure if this is a direct Easter egg or it does look a little similar to that train conductor droid, but I just something I think it's worth noting. Uh, Colleen, it gave you some vibes uh. too, I think. <laughs> yes, especially when the droid jumped off the train and skittered away. It reminded me of the creepy alien using a person's head, like it looked like a spider in the thing, which was a practical <laughs> effect. That ha- and I was like, no, I need to pause. <laughs> anything spidery i'm not here for speaking of the train that heist is modeled after lawrence of arabia also recalls the solo train heist and boba's last train job in clone wars lots of trains lots Lots and lots of trains always a good train always a good train heist always worth it (laughs) i agree i love it Mm -hmm. uh and inside that train too the controls look very similar to the pod racing controls that Mm -hmm. we see and it can use in in uh, phantom menace uh, this scene was not as long as the pod racing sequence, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> uh, and that engine at the top exciting. does kind of look like it could have been taken off of a pod racer. Mm-hmm. 
whoever knows with the pikes and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And speaking of the pikes and spice running, the pikes are a crime syndicate we've seen in Solo and Clone Wars. They control the spice mines on Kessel and run it all over the galaxy. They run the syndicates that became part of Maul's Shadow Collective, along with Crimson Dawn and others. Which one maybe we'll see. Maybe, maybe. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, next, uh, Boba makes a shout out to Anchorhead. Uh, I don't think we've ever actually been here, but we ha- it first got called out uh, in A New Hope. Luke says he can take Obi-Wan as far as Anchorhead, and from there he can go to Masaisley or wherever else. Uh, that's before, you know, his home burned down and his aunt and uncle died, and he, they just, and he had Whoops. to go. <laughs> oh, please. Sorry, Luke. Whoops. Next, we have the Dune parallels. Lots of these in Star Wars. We have Spice. We have the Dune Sea, a desert people, which is like the Tuscans or the Fremen, and the newcomer, which would be Paul or Boba. Lucas was never shy about being inspired by Dune, and he's not the only one. If you take almost any modern sci-fi story, you can trace it back to either Dune Foundation or John Carter. More or less, you'll hit one of those three if you go back far enough. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, next up we have Boba. He's kind of holding court, very similar to the first episode when everyone's coming in to pay him tribute. He's like sitting on a makeshift throne over these pikes. So we're mm-hmm. seeing where he maybe got the idea of taking over Jabba's throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later on, the chief is referencing not only the tribes of Tatooine, but all of its history and a reference to when the oceans dried up. So Tatooine did used to have water on it naturally mm-hmm. uh, i believe that there's some legends history that kind of goes into that time period or what it was like when that when that when they did dry up uh but this is the first real canon reference we've had to it i believe mm-hmm. that'd be cool Bo was mm-hmm. used to oceany places <laughs> <laughs> or he was he was used to it Next, we have the spiritual journey caused by inducing a drug fantasy. This happens a lot. You can also see Jawa eyes in the tree that he finds, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. I love these sequences. I love that it's supposed to be like this deeply spiritual caused by these otherworldly thing. And it's really yeah. just getting high. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting he's stoned. high, everyone. He is, he's very high. <laughs> I was initially expecting him to kind of like lick that, lick the lizard or something, like it would like <laughs> right. a tree frog. Almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But nope, no. it jumped up his nose. And then he it's was like, sorry, I swallowed it. Something in his yeah. brain. He's <laughs> like, sorry, I swallowed it. And I'm like, you didn't swallow it, you snorted it. You snorted it didn't go thing. down, it went up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, next we have a, uh, a pretty common thing, a very classic part of any kind of rebirth story, and that is the symbolic robing, signaling that you are now the member of the tribe you have transitioned it's also a very nice parallel to the droids putting boba's armor on in the previous episode Mm -hmm. i I loved this sequence too (laughs) there was a lot there was a lot of fabric in that it's not like they just threw a cloak over him they were like individually wrapping the Mm -hmm. different sleeves and everything they were crafting this for him and Mm -hmm. he was standing there like a king like that's oh yeah yeah, he's like, I this is what I was looked, made for. I mean, when he came out with the hood, which I thought it was hilarious, he took the hood off when he went outside. <laughs> yes. Um, Supposed to stay look, up, Boba, so your dome doesn't get burned. Kind of looked like a Sith. <laughs> a little, a bit. little bit, a little bit. I mean, going from white to black is an interesting symbolic connotation. Mm-hmm. Actually, same thing that Luke did in mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi. 
Mm -hmm. This is the return of Boba Fett, everyone. <laughs> he also gets to forge a new weapon, which is a really big classic fantasy trope. The station was modeled after yet more Ralph McQuarrie concept art, like Sokka getting his own sword material, forging Andro from Narsil, reforging the subtle knife, constructing lightsabers in the Clone Wars episode The Gathering, Tony start making his first armor in Iron Man, the making of Din's new armor in The Mandalorian Season 1, the list goes on. Lots of forging and reforging of weaponry. The scene where the hero's armor weapon is forged is one that goes all the way back to ancient times. There's a brilliant passage in the Iliad where Achilles' new armor is forged by the gods. Oh, that <laughs> Poor <sequence>. Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we have to bring Achilles? Achilles gets this amazing armor for like one battle. Yeah, but I mean, he's he real dies. mad because they killed his boyfriend. So yeah. you know, he needed. He needed. It was also his cousin. In in some telling. Yeah, it's some telling. Yes, I know. <laughs> that's the one where they're like, he can't be gay, so we're gonna make <laughs> Patrolkus's cousin. <laughs> and next oh, up, man. Colleen, you references uh, mm. kind of up at the top dances with the dances with wolves parallel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this one. This was actually hilarious because. My brother and I um, actually had the exact same thought at more or less the exact same time. So I'm watching this episode and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is Dances with Tuscans. Mm -hmm. And then they actually start dancing around the fire. <laughs> and later on, my brother texts me after he watched the episode and he just says, so if you watch Dances with Tuscans yet? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I thought that same thing. You're like, yes, yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> But in addition to those vibes, like we said, the dance itself is actually reminiscent of a haka, which is a traditional Maori dance from Tamora Morrison's homeland of New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Which, so like cool. you said, it's really cool that they got that in there, that they were able to do that. All right. Well, moving on. Next up is our questions, predictions. We're going to go through any questions we have coming out of the episode, mm -hmm. what we think might happen next, and mm -hmm. what we would like to happen next. So my first question is the order of the night wind. Mm. Just what the fuck? <laughs> like really? <laughs> in Who addition, are these ninja? <laughs> like it just it, it, putting aside the name itself, let's mm -hmm. go through the mayor's explanation of this. They are not allowed to operate outside of hut space. But the twins are claiming Tatooine. So that would put Tatooine inside of hut space. Yes? No? What's going on here? <laughs> Maybe it was technically in hut space until... Java died and they kind of liberated the planet and now it's not <laughs> it's i don't know that just it was really confusing to me mm -hmm. <laughs> but beyond that i had a question about fenix fenix call out of them <laughs> as being like overrated and you're just paying for the name hilarious <laughs> it was hysterical and ming Wen delivered it absolutely perfectly but i'm also wondering is it kind of a meta comment about like ip needing to set mm -hmm. up these franchise spinoffs like there's this potential now, just by speaking the name out there mm -hmm. for an Order of the Nightwind series. And it sent all, I'm sure it sent all of us like Googling, like, wait, Order of the Nightwind, where, what is that what a is reference it? to? It's nothing. It is completely made up for this episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so despite having no content to back it up, they just made up what sounded like a cool sounding name yep. <laughs> and threw it out there mm -hmm. just to make us curious and potentially set off a spinoff. And is she commenting to say how freaking stupid that is? <laughs> John Favreau just writing both things just in case into the script. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so next up, so I actually timed it out this time. Uh, we mm -hmm. spend 14 minutes in the beginning in the present. Mm -hmm. 
and then 34 minutes in the past. This was, I when I initially watched it, I thought it was kind of more of a 50-50 split. And then the second time I realized how little time we actually spent in the present. Mm. Are we going to see that start to shift? Like last week I said how I kind of would have liked a full episode in the past and then just kind of be done with it. So mm-hmm. this was weighted very heavily toward the past. So can we spend less time there in the future and more time in the present? Personally, I'm I'm interested. I'm more interested now than I was last week in the the past history with the Tuscans, but mm-hmm. I'm still more interested overall in the present story and kind of the gangster. Yeah, moving stuff, the plot like, forward. Moving the plot forward and doing something that Star Wars hasn't really dove into. Mm-hmm. They've never really done something that has the potential to be this dark to be this kind of brutal and violent and i I just i'm really really interested in this whole mafia type story and i really want to see that develop um i'm also thinking kind of in the way the favreau filoni live action verse has been constructed so far and it's reminding me a lot of how the Arrowverse was kind of first starting to set itself mm-hmm. up, where you, in the kind of flagship series, you introduce these characters. We got Bobo, we got Ahsoka, and that sets them up for their spinoffs, but they're directly connected together, which anchors us in time and sets us up for these kind of incredible crossover potential. Mm-hmm. So if the present with Mandalorian season three, Ahsoka's series, and the Book of Boba Fett are in fact supported supposedly maybe building towards some kind of a crossover thing which theoretically i would guess might be the war for mandalore maybe hopefully i'm just speaking that into the ether to make it happen (laughs) but if that's the case i'm wondering how much we actually need to progress boba's story in the present to get him to that point like is it just does he just need to take care of the twins does that require a lot of screen time we're still only working there's only five episodes left right we're almost we're almost halfway through. Yeah, it's a short series. <laughs> yeah. Next question: Any just theories on who they need to get permission from to kill the twins? Who the Hut Council would be my first guess. However, is this like a Crimson Dawn situation? Do we need to ask Kira for permission before killing yeah. some of her allies? My my first thing thing. On, my only thing with the Hut Council is I would in theory the Hut Council is who sent them. Right. Like you need permission to kill. I could see you need permission from like their higher ups to kill them. But if they're only doing the mission that their higher ups sent them on, does that really work? Right. Exactly. I hope they answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Very curious. All right. My that. next one. Legit question. Why do the pikes need the train? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm actually being serious about this. Like, what, what purpose does this thing actually serve in practicality? Like, I guess it's fast but if you're like smuggling it, spice like why land on one part of the planet theory you transport it somewhere else on the planet on the planet if yeah. you're doing it all in a pretty backworld area anyway like i would think you could just land it in mas espa and probably be fine right you i i don't know maybe we'll get an explanation <laughs> for that <laughs> like, i loved the sequence but i was just sitting there like why 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 is this here yeah, why why do they need a train? Maybe it's the only way to get safely over the Dune Sea without ships. But like, where are there? Why don't they have ships? Yeah, how did like, the spice get to the planet if you don't have ships? How is the spice getting off planet if you don't have right. ships? Is there like a secret spice cache that's somewhere very remote on Tatooine, and they need like because the train had like a water car and stuff? It seems like they're traveling an awful long distance. Yeah, back and forth. 
very weird. (laughs) (laughs) And then my last question coming out of this is, there's been a lot of internet chatter in like the last week or so that Harrison Ford is going to show up mm-hmm. as Han kind of a la Luke at the end of Mando season two in a cameo appearance in the book of Boba Fett. What do we think of this? I think Harrison Ford would rather die. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my thought too. <laughs> I mean, I guess he would maybe do it if they really needed him to, but I can't see Harrison Ford, especially at his age wanting to do this i can see them doing a big cameo at the end but i don't know if it's gonna be harrison i can't see it being harrison ford and i kind of don't want it to be i don't either i really don't chewy i mean if it were chewy like facing off against black kersenton maybe i can see that but harrison ford looks too old also for han of that era i'm sure they could do some sort of cgi situation i mean yeah they would dh him I'm sure if they did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they could, I, I don't know what they would do. I, I personally, I'd I don't prefer believe Amelia it. Clark showing up. <laughs> 100%. I would 100% prefer Amelia Clark. I don't think Harrison Ford is showing up here. He's like, I'm honestly. done with Star Wars. I did carry a favor by coming back for Rise of Skywalker. Right. And now that's over. That's like the, the, the only thing I could think is that they would have to like threaten to digitally put Carrie Fisher in there. And that's the only thing that would get him to do yeah. this and right. just no he he has no interest in it he's no. done right he's just not um i not would love I, I mean i would just love akira <laughs> appearance that would be fantastic mm-hmm. would also be easy i mean she's part of disney anyway she's filming yes. secret invasion i think for marvel and she obviously loves the character and wants to do more with the character. There are rumors floating around that there will be a Kira series on Disney Plus, which I'm also here for. Definitely. Here. So one of the things I heard was that the the theory against Kira showing up here is actually because she's so active in the comics right now. I think I saw this mm-hmm. in Star Wars Explained. They mentioned that traditionally, if they're going to introduce a character into live action, they'll kind of tone them down in the comics, mm-hmm. coincide Right. But that the <laughs> comments kind of that, that they're that she's in though are pre M or they're post Empire pre Return of the Jedi. Mm. So that could be another there's a lot of timeline things. <laughs> there is. <laughs> I would just really love to see her. I think that would be great. Um uh, for me, I have so many questions now. <laughs> I had no idea what they were gonna do with the Boba Fett show besides being like a crime syndicate situation. I want to know how Boba transitioned from the Tuscans to operating alone with Fennec. Mm-hmm. Like, is he just kind of taking a sabbatical from them? Did he be like, peace guys, I'm going and heading into Mos Espa. I'm going to try and take over. And they were like, where did he bye. get the tech to fix her? Yeah. Where did he get his tech? Speaking of tech, why does he need the back to tank so much now when he didn't need it or have access to it with the Tuscans? Like did something happen? Where now he needs to be in that back to tank all the time. I, I'm just very, very curious. About that. <laughs> love the mayor, love his vibe. I want to know what he's doing on Tatooine, how he got elected. Was he even elected? <laughs> Are there elections? Is this a new thing after Java's downfall? I don't I know. Maybe, that. maybe the mayor is just kind of an honorary title, like mayor of Kingstown. Uh, or maybe yes. he just kind of showed up. Uh, I think it was, it's the new. It's the new High Republic. It's the young, the young novel, uh, Mission to Disaster. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's a governor of a planet who just, everyone's just kind of like, yeah, she just kind of showed up and no one really knows who she is, but somehow she got elected. 
Mm. <laughs> turns out she's charisma. In turns out she is absolutely <laughs> in league with the gangsters. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> For the mayor, I, I don't know about the charisma, but he seems to have a handle on things. Moss mm-hmm. Espa seems to be thriving under his leadership, so I guess just keep it going. It was cool to see the Pikes' actual faces. If you don't see the Pikes' faces, you only see their kind of masked things. Their designs have been kind of this ever-evolving thing over Star Wars content enough where people are like, this is like not, <laughs> they don't look alike at all, which is, I guess, fine. It's interesting to see them without the masks. I want to know if we're going to see more syndicates. We want more of this mafia thing that is basically what we want. I want to know who hired those ninjas if it wasn't the mayor. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like the huts did either. I don't know. The mayor said he didn't do it, but it could come back and be like, oh, the mayor actually did. Or maybe Garza did. We we don't know what's going on here. I love that kind of betrayal thing that could be happening there. Oh, this is just kind of a funny question. <laughs> Who do we feel worse for? The sweat mammal that the twins use to like wipe down their sweat, that poor white mammal creature thing, or the brain lizard? Who do we feel worse for? <laughs> I feel worse for the sweat mammal. Absolutely. The brain lizard seems to be enjoying its job. Yeah, and it gets in there. It obviously can survive in there for a while. It came back out. Yeah, it did. It did. And then it went back in its little house. So cute. And nice little vacation when... in Boba's brain. <laughs> He's like, oh, a lizard. Thank you. <laughs> like, I don't really know what to do with this. Okay, this is fine. Another thing, if the Tuscan youngling or the dog are harmed in any way, I will be writing a lot of strongly worded letters. I doubt I doubt your commitment to that after having read your latest book, Colleen. <laughs> this is also where I plug Colleen's latest book, guys. Uh, the Falls by Colleen McMillan. Ooh. Buy it on Amazon. It's really, really good. It's a great, great oh, mystery story. You, <laughs> but I was texting you after a particular scene that said I would never forgive you. Yeah, I, I knew there were a lot of people that would not forgive me for that scene, but it had to happen for the narrative. And I apologize. <laughs> Go buy it. I apologize, but I am not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap us up for today. So thank you guys for joining us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YASWpod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcast. Hit that follow button. Leave us some five-star reviews. Help us, you know, beat that algorithm a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can check out all of our previous episodes on the main Star Wars films and Star Wars Visions. Check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can find Colleen and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast. Mm -hmm. You can also find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on BohemianGeekStudies.com. And join us next time when we will take a look at the next chapter in the book of Boba Fett. Until then, just remember, it's like riding a bantha. (laughs) And always make an appointment. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.